Hello, and welcome to the Wild Heart Meditation Center podcast. We release these episodes every week on Wednesday mornings, and the best way to support us is by clicking subscribe and taking a moment to rate the podcast wherever you are listening. If you'd like to support our efforts to keep the nonprofit Meditation Center open in Nashville, you can donate via Venmo by sending your donation to at Wild Heart Nashville, or you can make a donation through our website, wildheartmeditationcenter.org, by clicking the Donate tab. Peace and love. Hope you enjoy. All right, let's get into it. So tonight's topic is how to create a beautiful environment within. Uh, It's a hell of a promise, a, a beautiful environment within. And generally, um, the Buddha himself didn't start with this like seductive promise of inner beauty. Uh, the, the Buddha was more of like a, a bad news first type of guy. <laughs> he started his teachings. If you come here enough, you know he started his teachings with the first noble truth, the truth of suffering, the truth of what we call dukkha, dukkha. And dukkha is this observation that everybody in life will experience uh, aging, sickness, death, loss, and a hell of a lot of heartache in life. And so that's somewhat of like a bleak place to start. So we kind of make light of this sometimes that uh, we joke about it like, why aren't there any evangelical Buddhists? I don't know if you've been there, like, sitting back on a Saturday, hanging out, catching up on TV, you're chilling on the couch, knock, 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 you go to the front door, you open the door, and you see this exuberant, friendly person, and they're here to tell you about the good news, the good news that of their salvation of whatever religion they're trying to get you to join, and you discover it's an evangelical, Right? these particular brand of Christians that are offering up their salvation through Jesus Christ. And uh, I I tend to like talking to these people. Uh, I tend to get along with them really well because I I like their hearts, that they're here to help. And at the same time, so why aren't there Buddhists? Why aren't there Buddhists going door to door, right? Why aren't they offering up our salvation and freedom, right? Well, you know, that's because we start with this. You know, I can't imagine knocking door to door and saying, well, have you heard the terrible news? Life is full of loss and separation and heartache. This truth of dukkha, right? So it's a hard sell. But if you're anything like me, uh, you've experienced this. You've come to a place where you can no longer deny that life has these qualities and whatever way you experience the loss of a loved one, that's very true in my life. Um, the grip of addiction is very true in my life as well. Or the loneliness of depression. The stress of work, loss of identity. And just, you know, just even feeling into your experience right now, like how is dukkha true in your life? And this is where our, our practice begins and unfolds. And as we say, that maybe this practice of dukkha isn't really the suffering. Then we say pain is inevitable, suffering is optional. So as we open up 
to the loss, the stress, the decay, (laughs) the separation and heartache. That's not the suffering in and of itself. Whether it shows up as trauma, mental illness, terrible memories. You don't have to suffer over that anymore. And I'm not saying this in a way to minimize or dismiss. And at the same time, if you didn't believe there's an end of suffering, why practice at all? And so how do we find this ending of suffering? What the Buddha said was this internal refuge. He taught that we look inward for peace. The ending of suffering is this internal experience. And so as uh, the Buddha was on his deathbed, and he was dying, and his followers were surrounding him, noticing he was passing, they, they asked him, like, who's next? Like, who's going to precede the great Buddha? Who's going to take charge of this community? And uh, rather than saying, oh, it's this disciple or this disciple, he, he, he said uh, this very beautiful thing. He said, uh, be a light unto yourself, a refuge unto yourself. Seek no external refuge. And so this is the acknowledgement that everything we need is inside of us. That look inward as life inevitably has its horrors and heartbreaks. Turn inward to find peace within yourself and, and find this as a refuge, this beautiful word refuge. So refuge really means a place of safety, a place of security, uh, a shelter as the rain of pain inevitably will hit us, we can find shelter within. So how do we do this? There's a few different ways I want to cover this tonight. How to find a shelter within. And the first one I want to talk about is mindfulness. Rather popular practice around here, mindfulness. And I think it's Thich Han that says that breathing in, I arrive in my body, breathing out, I am home. Breathing in, I arrive in my body. Breathing out, I am home. And through this mindfulness of breathing, we can remember to come back to the home within. As we're gripped by the stress of the thinking mind that takes us outward, we can develop this agency to guide our awareness back inward and find a home within. So this mindfulness offers us a power, a power of choice. The choice to choose to place our awareness somewhere besides our suffering, coming back into relationship with ourselves. When the mind isn't offering up anything good, come back to this refuge of feeling this breath, feeling this body, feeling this heart. And when we actually have this present time embodied experience, There's no suffering. There's no suffering in that moment. When we welcome the pain in with care, rather than falling into the traps of hating pain or grasping to pleasure as a way to avoid pain, there's no suffering in that moment. It's our own human biology that puts up a front against pain. This machine that we're in is set up for survival, not happiness. 
And so mindfulness is the hack to live beyond survival and finding a home within and finding this refuge within. And this doesn't mean that life won't have its heartaches and pains, but we can remain peaceful with the unpeaceful aspects of life, finding peace within as the chaos happens outward, being present with what's happening inside of our mind, heart, and body is the ending of suffering. And so as thoughts continue to take us away, take us outward, telling us that lasting happiness is somewhere outside and things that don't last, remember to come back. Be merciful to come back. And remember, welcoming this mind back into a home that's within. And so that's the first step, right? That I think that we can develop an agency to come back home into ourselves, breathing in feeling the body, breathing out, I am home. And so as we develop a second stage that I want to talk about is the, the, the way to develop beauty within, as we bring the awareness in, we want to also welcome in uh, compassion. And compassion is a heartfelt response to pain. Compassion is really like the root of Buddhism. As if, if we start with there's pain inevitable in life, we're left with this other instruction in this first noble truth to embrace dukkha, embrace dukkha, and not embrace it as grab onto it, uh, self-identify with it, but to embrace it with a heart of compassion. And so this practice is often described like as like a bird, and this bird has two wings. We have wisdom, we have compassion, and so this first wing that I'm going over is mindfulness. We can have this practice of mindfulness to have the wisdom to come back to the internal. But then this other wing we have of compassion to remember to be kind, nurturing, and sweet with the pain. Counterinstinctual. It's our own human instinct to hate what hurts. The hack, the second hack, is to be loving to what hurts. And so um, the way I want to guide you all through this is taking time to develop a, a specific meditation practice. I want to front load this and then we'll do a little meditation practice around this. That uh, I want to go over RAIN. Uh, RAIN is a specific meditation that was developed by, um, uh, who, who developed it? Michelle McDonald, uh, insight teacher, 20 years ago. I think she came up with this practice of RAIN. RAIN is an acronym that means recognize, allow, investigate, and nurture. And this has been popularized by Tara Brock in her books, Radical Acceptance and Radical Compassion. And so it's a quite broad practice. How many of y'all have practiced RAIN before? Yeah. I'm very fond of it too, so I've been teaching it a lot up here. And so when we step into the meditation practice of compassion, you know, like normally when pain arises, we want to put a new, a new lens on our pain, think about it in a different way, uh, cheer ourselves up when we're in pain, or we develop some sort of mental strategy. This is different than a mental strategy. This is an experiential strategy that we can set aside the futile attempts to avoid change, fix, manage, and control, and just say, yeah, there is pain here. Welcome. Come on in and opening the heart of love towards what hurts. So let's go over this. Recognize, allow, investigate, and nurture. So the first one, recognize. So what I'm gonna do is, in this meditation, ask you to bring up 
something pur purposely that's calling for your attention that is painful in your life right now. And when you welcome that in, uh, whatever pain is calling to be felt in this meditation, I just want you to recognize that it's here. And we can do this by simply naming it. Oh, there is sadness. There is fear. There is irritation. There is anger. There's hate. There's addiction. There's depression. And just simply acknowledging it is a, such, such a wonderful practice. Because on one end, we're just validating it. Yeah, you're here. You're valid. You're worthy of my attention. That is such a loving act to be like, yeah, you are here. I see you, sadness. I see you, hatred. Ah, yep, you are here. I recognize you. So the recognition of your suffering is the first step. And then we go to A. Recognize, then allow. Allowing it to be here. Mm. Welcoming in our pain and suffering directly. What a courageous act. And it's with this indiscriminate love. The Buddha taught loving kindness as like an indiscriminate love. Love in all directions to all beings everywhere. And so our internal beings that we can be indiscriminate towards whatever's in our internal experience by allowing it to be here. Setting aside the superficial attempts to hide and just turning towards it and saying, yes, yes, you are here, yes. So this is something Tara Brock offers up, this, this embrace and allowance of pain and suffering with the simple word, yes. And so anytime I talk about rain, I have to like, tell this story of this yes, how it was pivotal in my life before. And so there was a certain point, one of my bands, we were, we were playing a couple shows with New York hardcore legends, Agnostic Front. Anybody know Agnostic Front? A couple nods. Agnostic Front, uh, HBO did a documentary about them called The Godfathers of Hardcore. So they're like New York hardcore, like tough guys. And so they play this very tough, aggressive music, and my band's opening up for them. So the crowd they bring is very rowdy. <laughs> and so we're opening the show, and we get on stage, we start playing, and almost instantly a fight breaks out, and we gotta stop. And I'm up there on stage trying to stop the fight, saying, oh, come on, scene unity, let's take care of each other. And then, and then I start the next song, and then somewhere down the line in our set, another fight breaks out. And I'm like, oh, you know, scene unity, we're all family here, let's stick together. And, you know, okay, not much success. And just like the set was a mess. Now there's just fights and nonsense happening during the set while I'm like trying to control the crowd. And then the next band gets on stage and their singer was like this intense guy. Like he had one of those stage presents that like took up the entire room. And so they start playing and they're like super fast, super aggressive. And of course, instantly a fight breaks out. But their singer like, went to the front of the stage and looked directly at the two brawlers, the two guys fighting, and turned towards them and says, yes, yes, get mad, get mad, yes, fight, yes, fight. And these like, two guys were like, whoa, was, <laughs> was not expecting that, right? And so 
what happened was that was it. That was the end of the fight, and there was no more fights the rest of the night. And it's just that power of yes, yes, get mad, yes, fight. And so I'm not saying we need to go do this out there. Like you see a fight, and you're like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I'm not saying that. But whatever violence is happening inside of you, right? Like I feel like there's like this rule follower sometimes in me that is like, oh, if some sort of inner turmoil or inner violence is happening, I'm like, well, don't do that. Seen unity. But can I remember as any anxiety bubbles up in me that feels quite aggressive and violent, can I just say, yeah, yeah, you are here, anxiety. Yeah, you can be here. Yes, yes, yes. As like the grip of depression arises, my body's tired, worn out, doesn't want to do anything. Yeah, you are here, depression. Yeah, you're worthy. Come on in. Yes. And what I find is, just like the singer of that band, it ends the violence. It ends the fight. It doesn't end that my anxiety, depression, fear, or whatever is here. It ends the violence around those things. So ending this internal violence by embracing whatever is arising. Because this is what we want, a radical self-love. A radical self-love. Indiscriminate self-love. Whatever is in you is worthy of love. There's only what's loved and what's longing to be loved. Right? So that's why I want to develop like a, a self-love that isn't limited. Sometimes we think self-love is the absence of self-hatred. But I want to develop a self-love that's like courageous to say, yeah, you are here, self-hatred. I can love you too. And that just breaks the violence around my self-hatred. Yeah. So allowing, a beautiful act of allowing. And then, so we recognize, allow, let's investigate, investigate. Becoming curious as pain, as dukkha rises within us. What is this? What is this directly? And in all the ways that pain manifests inside of ourselves, I, I think I want to add in that mindfulness of coming home to our body and noticing how pain arises in this body, how emotional this body is. And so as uh, sadness arises, what is sadness in the body? How does it show up in the body? As anxiety arises, fear arises, where is this in the body? And not that I'm here to think about it too much, but just some technicality. We do have that vagal vagus nerve that runs from the limbic region down through the throat and down this heart that we talk about, this like figurative heart, but there's also a literal emotional heart right here and down into the belly. And so we can notice that there's this line of communication that centers here and just goes outward. And so sadness, feel choked up that nerves in the belly, that nervous belly, right? The pounding of the heart, the anxiety in the arms, right? Palms sweating, shaking, right? So not to stifle any of that. Sometimes we think in meditation we have to be so still, but really just opening up and noticing what the body does. Oh yeah, investigating there is this emotion that lives in my body. And what a beautiful practice. The non-identification. This is what sadness is like. Not my sadness, but just the sadness. Becoming curious. There you are. And then not only 
looking at the physical aspect, the, the, the bodily aspect of our emotions, but also like looking at the mental. Like sometimes we make an enemy out of our minds in meditation, but when we can shine the light of mindfulness directly on the thoughts, we can notice that emotions and thoughts are very well related, right? So as you're feeling an emotion, notice where does the mind take you? Does it take you to a memory from the past? Then investigate, oh, that is a memory. That's not actually the past, that's just a thought of the past. Oh, that thought arises around this feeling. Or it goes into the future, the fear of the future. Oh yeah, fear is related to a thought, the thought that projects the future. It's not actually the future, it's a thought of the future. So using mindfulness to discover all these vivid stories the mind will tell you, these mental images that we call thoughts or these mental uh, you know, sounds. And all the ways that thoughts arise, we can look at, well, yeah, we'll investigate, what is a thought? And how is it connected to this hurt? Okay. And so we discover that this mind-body-heart system is very interconnected. Normally we think mind is one thing, heart is one thing, and body is another thing, but this is all connected. And just watching this whole system work together as we become curious with it is, is quite profound. And so we recognize, we allow, we investigate, and then we get to the sweet spot, this N of rain, nurture, nurturing what hurts in us. And so it's having that willingness of where the compassion comes in. That compassion is a strength, you know. The near enemy of compassion, the thing we confuse the most with compassion is pity. So we can develop a strong back as we soften our hearts into this pain. So rather than cowering, oh, poor me, I'm experiencing this pain. Poor me, I experience this trauma, anxiety, fear. Poor me, the, the heart of compassion says, yeah, I'm here for you. I see that this is tough and I love you. Let me nurture you with this heart of compassion. And let me be the caregiver to my own experience by asking, what is this need? What do you need, pain? And to certain points, you may just need to beat it in a certain way by silently saying things to yourself. I'm sorry. I'm here for you. I forgive you. I'll love you no matter what. I'm always here for you. If you need to hear something, give that to yourself, right? And then on the other end, I'm all about, like, imagination. Imagining what is compassion. So, like I say, I'm a Disney adult. So, like, sometimes it turns into Disney World in my mind <laughs> with the, the, the imagination. So, I picture compassion sometimes. Uh, let, let's go into this. Let me let you into my mind for a moment. It's a wild place. So, let's say, go into, like, a mental place. You're at Disney World. You're at the Magic Kingdom. You're hanging out. It's a hot day, long day, so you just sit down on a bench. You're just hanging out, sitting on a bench, taking in the sights, people watching. And as you're people watching, you see a family. And this family uh, has a young kid, a young daughter. And the young daughter uh, sees that there's ice cream for sale. 
And so the, the, the young kid asks the parents, hey, can I get some, some money for ice cream? <laughs> and the parents go, yeah, sure, go get some ice cream. So the kid's so excited, has the money ready to go, and runs over and buys the ice cream. And it's one of those little, like, Mickey bars, you know? With the, yeah, yeah. So the kid, like, has her little Mickey bar, and she's so excited that she has the Mickey bar. And you're just sitting back, just watching, and, like, totally stoked on this kid having the Mickey bar. And so she starts running. She's like, I'm so excited to have my Mickey bar. And then all of a sudden, boom, she trips. Oh, no, she falls. Oh, no, she drops her ice cream. She bumps her knee. Oh, she lost her ice cream, and she's hurt. Oh. And then as she, like, dusts off her knee and picks up her busted ice cream, she looks up. Oh, no, she can't find her family. Her family's nowhere to be found. And as she looks up, all she sees is you sitting on that bench. Oh, no. And she has tears in her eyes. And she's slumped over with her busted ice cream and her busted knee. And she looks at you. And she goes, oh, help. She looks for you for help. And you walk up to this kid, and you can feel her distress and feel her fear that she's lost. How would you treat this kid? And just playing with that, how would you treat this kid that's just gone through this very distressful moment, and you know that she's afraid and lost and disappointed. And whatever way you treat this child, treat yourself that way. As you become afraid, as you lose your figurative ice creams, as you lose your figurative family, look to yourself. Oh, help. I need help. And treat yourself that same exact way you would treat that young girl at Disney World. <laughs> and so this imagination that can play in this nurturing heart, like any of these wounds that arise in you, you can, you can maybe picture yourself as a younger version of yourself. I do that all the time. The middle school me gets all sorts of love in my meditation. He was afraid. Oh, my gosh. He didn't feel like he fit in. So many people were just so... They thought they were doing the right thing, but they were so mean to him. <laughs> and he just didn't feel like he belonged, was scared to talk to girls, didn't make that great of grades. Man, my middle school me, damn, I love that guy. <laughs> and so you could picture yourself as a younger version of you, and then also use your imagination, too. If you need a hug, hug yourself in your mind. If you need to hold yourself, if you need to motivate yourself, sing songs to yourself, play, whatever it is. In meditation, we have full permission to creatively engage with dukkha. <laughs> yeah. hmm. And so this is rain, and I'll guide you through it, and I have a, a little front load I want to offer before we do it. That we recognize, oh, there is dukkha here. We allow, yes, 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 the counter-instinctual aspect of ending violence by embracing it. <laughs> Investigate, just seeing how it manifests in this mind, body, and heart. And then after we spend time to unfold all of these aspects to really get to know it on an intimate level, boom, let's, let's respond with some nurturing by saying things, imagining things, holding things, being all sweet and beautiful. So this is the how to create a beautiful environment in, within. It's by seeing clearly the pain within and then also 
uh, responding wisely with compassion. And inevitably, we will have joys and sorrows within, but the beautifulness is being able to be with it with a loving heart. So as we do this, I'm going to ask you to bring up something that is painful in your life. This may be a past memory. This may be something that happened to you today. And when we go through what feels right to welcome into this meditation, I want to be wise about it. So Dan Siegel has something he calls the window of tolerance. And we all have a certain window of tolerance when it comes to embracing pain. So we have this specific window that we're used to, right? And if we go too far out of this window of tolerance, we'll end up in one of two things. We'll end up in hyper arousal, the anxiety, the, the fleeting, or we'll end up in the shutdown of hypo arousal, depression, and shutdown. So what we want to do is approach something that feels right right now to welcome into our compassion meditation. And what that can be is something that's challenging. I'm not saying we need to stick within our comfort zones, but we just don't want to overdo it so we flood our system. So find something that is challenging in your heart to grow this window of tolerance. So the more and more we practice compassion, the more and more our window of tolerance grows each time, over and over and over again. And the hope is, over time, you get a window of tolerance that's so wide open that you can embrace any pain in life. So we have to start where we're at, though. It's like going to the gym. Your first day at the gym, you're not going to be able to lift 500 pounds. You're going to break every bone in your body. You're going to tear every muscle. You'll never be able to lift weights ever again. So don't pick up the 500-pounder tonight if it doesn't feel right for you. It may be a 5-pound day. It may be a 100-pound day. So checking in for what feels right for you, that's the warning. Uh, so we'll just start by bringing the awareness inward if we're talking about beauty within. So finding a way to sit that supports compassion meditation. So in compassion meditation, we want to embody these two wings. Embody the wisdom presence of, of having a, a strong back, having that confidence in the body, that there's so much wisdom in this body. Like I said, the front of the body holds so much emotion. So we want to have that openness of the shoulders and the uprightness of the spine and let's be gentle with ourselves and just relax around the upright spine. And as we set this intention to find beauty within, I invite you to allow your eyes to close and step into the internal world. And let's just start by giving ourselves a few deep in and out breaths, soothing the body and the mind. In moments of activation, the breath gets very short and rapid. So just nurturing this mind, body, and heart with deep in and out breaths. And over time, allowing the breath to return to its natural pace. As we guide the awareness inward towards the body, just bringing ease into the body by softening any points of tension held, 
softening the face, allowing the shoulders to rest, softening the belly, Feeling into the point of contact with your seat. And scanning throughout the legs and all the way down to the feet. Just finding a home within this body. So now I invite you to guide your awareness into the heart. Just breathing in and out from your own heart. Finding a home in your heart. Just opening the heart up as we welcome in some sense of pain, suffering, dukkha. Where does this heart hurt today? Where is there a challenge in your life that's alive within you right now? This could be a difficult conversation you had with someone, a resentment you hold against yourself, a lingering memory from the past, some anxiety and fear, stress from work. So where does this heart hurt today? what is calling to be welcomed into this meditation. So as we welcome in this pain, let's shift into the RAIN practice. Starting with the R, recognize. And turning our awareness towards this pain and suffering within. 
and just see if you can name it. Is it fear, anxiety, loneliness, sadness, shame, hatred? Just simply naming this pain. naming this pain as a loving act in and of itself. Seeing it, welcoming it, it's valid. So I see you, pain. I recognize your presence. And so breathing in and breathing out, we expand the heart to recognize and allow Allowing this pain, allowing this suffering to be here directly. That everything in your experience is worthy of love. So just setting aside the superficial protections. And just allow this pain to be here. silently saying yes, yes, yes. Welcoming this pain with open arms. Nothing to fix, nothing to control, only more to love. So breathing in and breathing out, yes, yes to this pain. Yes, you belong. Yes, you're worthy of love. Yes, come on in, pain. Yes. So expanding the heart even further as we recognize and allow, begin to investigate, becoming curious in all the ways this pain manifests itself. Just noticing the physical aspect. Where in the body does this pain live?
noticing any impulses, any pressure. any fluttering. And see if you can turn right towards this pain physically, finding its center. Feeling its edges. Noticing where this pain is and isn't. Just taking time to investigate the physical aspects of this pain. So not only investigating the body, noticing any thoughts connected to this pain and difficulty. Are there any images of the past, memories arising within the mind? Thoughts of the future. Stories, plans, fantasies. Investigating the thoughts connected to this emotion. coming back home to the heart. I'm just breathing in and out from your own heart. As we shift into nurturing, it may feel right to even put your hands on your heart, holding your heart, caressing your heart, bringing in the sense of touch as we expand into nurturing ourselves. Maybe just rocking back and forth as we hold ourselves and allow ourselves to be held. So what's the most loving thing you can do for yourself right now? Maybe it's say something specifically silently within your mind 
I love you, I'm here for you, I forgive you, I appreciate you. Just giving yourself a loving gift of anything you need to hear right now. I believe in you. You can do this. You don't have to do anything you don't want to do. Whatever you need. can welcome in any mental images that serve this nurturing, picturing yourself at a younger age, looking at yourself face to face, eye to eye, touching into your own sweetness and innocence. offering a nurturing support of compassion to a younger version of you. Holding this younger version of you. Caressing. Supporting. Cheering them on. What's the most loving thing you can do? This is the training. To train the heart to nurture. What's the most loving thing I can do within my own internal environment right now? So this is the practice of RAIN. Recognize, allow, investigate, and nurture. Remembering as any pain, suffering arises, meet it directly with compassion. So we can end the meditation the way we started bringing the awareness into the body, softening the body, and giving ourselves a few deep in and out breaths. Allowing the eyes to open, taking a look at the space we're in, and blend with the sound of the bell.